0: Welcome to Paper Boys, the podcast where we unravel the research papers behind
1: the latest major headlines in science.
0: Every Thursday, we go to the source of the story to open up the work behind beautiful new discoveries and cut through misinformation in the media. I'm your host, James, and today I'm bringing
1: in a paper about cloud seeding.
0: I'm your other host, Charlie. I have not read this paper, and I don't know anything about cloud seeding, so I'm going to ask you a lot of questions, James.
1: We're both PhD students who read lots of papers for our own research. So this podcast is our way of sharing our love for science with anyone who wants to learn more about the discoveries that affect us all. We are the Paper Boys.
0: Okay, James... You say that you have a paper about cloud seeding, which I don't really know what that is, but I'm sort of struggling to think of why clouds would be in the news.
1: So with a lot of the discussions about climate change and global warming, people have been talking about drought in the U.S., and especially for places like sub-Saharan Africa and the Middle East, where there are large populations who could be greatly impacted by it. Oh, okay. And so cloud seeding is one idea that people are using as a way to combat drought in these places.
0: Really? So is it
1: literally like creating clouds? It's literally like creating clouds. Wow. And so today is a little bit of a different episode in the sense that I have two papers. Cloud seeding is an interesting phenomena, and so uh, when I was doing some research, I found two that talk about the mechanisms, and so I'll touch on each one briefly. Okay,
0: good. I'm looking forward to it. A double. This is a double header, everyone.
1: Yeah, double header, double whammy. Hold on to your seats. So, the first article that I saw that got me on this paperboy trail was from CNN. And the headline is It's hard for me not to laugh. If you're just looking at <laughs> okay. It. Don't call them weather gods, but this company can actually make it rain. Ugh. Just like a punch in your gut. Come on. And then, what's interesting, sort of in contrast, is that Fox Business had an article that says In parched North Dakota, cloud seeding irks some farmers. So there's like a kind of push and pull there.
0: Yeah, I mean, it. so these stories are both about the same topic, but they're both talking about completely different implications, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, one's on the side of cloud seeding working, if the company's starting to do it. And then another is the experience of these farmers from North Dakota who are irked. So probably <laughs> thinking probably that...
0: Probably means they're more than irked.
1: Yeah, yeah, probably putting it mildly. And so came up with a couple other interesting articles, um, one from Science Mag: Does cloud seeding really work? An experiment above Idaho suggests humans can turbocharge snowfall. Wait a second. So if they're literally, and I don't
0: really understand how they do it yet, which I'm assuming you'll tell me, but they're creating clouds in the sky. Is this not what people kind of think chemtrails are?
1: I think there's a little bit of it, and so there's skepticism around it, and like, you know, is it really cloud seeding, or is it the NSA spying on us? Like, maybe
0: it's something more nefarious? That's what people think?
1: Sometimes, I think, yeah. Oh, man. Fortunately, I didn't uncover too many conspiracy theories, but- uh, Because this
0: does sound a little bit sci-fi, like, oh, the government can control the weather.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so, it turns out, the truth, as always, is not so cut and dry. Okay. Or cut and wet. I don't know if that's appropriate (laughs) for cloud seeding. But um, (laughs) so what I found was that in response to the Science Mag article, there was a great piece in the proceedings from the National Academy of Science from the United States of America. Good old U.S. of A. Good old U.S. of A. So uh, Jeffrey French is from the University of Wyoming, along with some other colleagues um, at different institutions, including the Idaho Power Company in Boise. So their work is looking at precipitation formation from orographic cloud seeding, so their experiment is actually pretty interesting, and it was one of the first to demonstrate the actual micro-level steps of cloud seeding. What does orographic mean? Uh, so orographic means relating to the mountains. So they were looking at uh, ah, snowfall. Okay. So we'll touch on that. And, then, and you said this is coming out of Wyoming. Yep. All right. Good place to do that. Good place to do it. Yep. And then the other one is a paper from Cell. This is from iScience. The article is entitled Infection Dynamics of a Balloon-Forming Alga and Its virus Determine Airborne Coccolith Emission from Seawater. I would never
0: in a million years guess that that's about clouds. Right? That's crazy.
1: Yeah. So the reason these articles sound very dissimilar is they touch on two very different things. But what I think is interesting bringing them both in and talking about them briefly is that they both talk about cloud seeding and how clouds form by very different ways. One is through uh, man-made cloud seeding as a way to try to increase the precipitation from these rainstorms or snowstorms. Is that the orographic one? That's the orographic one from okay. Wyoming. And then this other one from Mary Trainick. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. She's the first author from the Weitzman Institute and uh, along with several of their authors from the Weizmann Institute and Hebrew University of Jerusalem. They're looking at more the biological factors that could be contributing to cloud formation from the oceans. Oh, wow. Biological. Yeah. And that was what was really interesting from this is that, like, looking at these two papers, it seems to show that cloud formation isn't just regulated by physical processes, but also from biological processes. So not just evaporation and heat exchange, but what's happening biologically in the ocean could be having an effect. And, like, there are man-made effects that we can could possibly take to affect it as well. Wow, that's fascinating. So I
0: want to hear more about those. But before you dive in, is the reason why scientists want to create these clouds, they're intending to make it rain on farmland that's dry?
1: They want to make it rain. Okay. Yeah. Not just, they're, they're not
0: just trying to study how clouds form in order to better understand weather dynamics, they're actually trying to come out with a process that they can do to change weather conditions in drought-affected areas. Yeah. So in Okay, the case, very proactive research.
1: Yep, yep. I would say the case for looking at the phytoplankton and the viruses is more of an understanding case. But maybe with that information, then uh, we could do more. Wait, support.
0: it's phytoplankton? That's that's what's causing cloud formation on the that second paper? Yeah, Okay.
1: phytoplankton dying from
0: a virus. Whoa, this is this is crazy.
1: So I'm going to focus mostly on the precipitation formation from orographic cloud seeding. That was the one in Wyoming. Uh, the biological one is really interesting, and I'll touch on it some at the end, but it's a little bit more of a preliminary step towards understanding the generation of clouds.
0: Okay, that one sounds crazy. I, I'm looking forward to when we get to that.
1: It is cool, and I think it'll bring up some good questions later. All right. But starting with this one at University of Wyoming. Actually, taking a step back quick. You're talking about, like, what is cloud seeding and stuff? It's an interesting technology that has some cool history to it. They first started developing cloud seeding in the late 40s. Really? Wow. General Electric, their research facility. Actually, the brother of the science fiction writer Kurt Vonnegut was one of the main inventors of this. No way. Yep. Wait,
0: what what did he invent?
1: So his, his name, Bernard Vonnegut, was one of the first people to find that this compound, silver iodide, is a good seed for clouds. What? So I don't really understand. What do you mean it's a seed? So if you have this super cooled mass of air and water, like a cloud, essentially, <laughs> high in the atmosphere, but it hasn't formed a cloud yet. I see. You have to plant a small seed so that the water molecules can start to grow on it and compound. Oh, wow. So
0: they are literally dropping like a cloud of this silver iodide out there or like a little mist of it mm-hmm. and the clouds grow around it?
1: Yeah. And so and it's sort of born from this thought that like you can witness easily on any summer afternoon. You can get a lot of cloud generation in a storm, but it doesn't mean that all of the precipitation is going to come down or that all of that moisture in the cloud is going to precipitate. So cloud seeding is a way to sort of push that cloud over the edge and turn more of that moisture into rainfall or snowfall.
0: Oh, so they're not creating clouds from nothing. They're taking already existing clouds and causing that cloud to suck more moisture out of the air around it.
1: That, yeah. So there's hope that eventually that they could just start and like actually form these storms. But the state of the art right now and, like, what this company is trying to do that CNN was talking about in their article, they're trying to, like, attack storms that have already begun and then increase their actual output.
0: That's really cool. So they're kind of just, like, inflating these clouds to the point where they burst into a big rainstorm. Yeah. Wow. Is the technique that they're using today still similar with silver iodide?
1: Yep. So they're still using silver iodide today. Quick side note for anyone who's read Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut. Many people say that his brother's invention of, or finding of silver iodide as this cloud forming molecule led to his creation of Ice-9, which is like this uh, weapon of mass destruction in the book. Whoa, no created, way. Uh, so I thought Wait, that was so fun does that mean it's one of my favorites.
0: This cloud seeding technology is potentially very dangerous, or was that, that is just Kurt question. Vonnegut's interpretation?
1: That was Kurt Vonnegut taking it in a more sci-fi direction. Okay. That is a big concern because you're essentially just dropping silver across oh, nature. That is a concern. Nature. The amount that's actually used isn't very much, and it's not super reactive. So they've done a lot of ecological studies over the last several decades. And, and the impact
0: no is pretty low?
1: Pretty low, yep. Okay.
0: So, I mean, so they are, it is kind of like chemtrails. They are just dropping chemicals into the sky above us, but it turns out they're not harmful.
1: Uh, Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So your friendly I, neighborhood chemtrail.
0: I like what you said at the beginning, though. You're like, like most things, you know, it's not cut and dry. You know, the conspiracy theories have a little bit of truth to them, I guess, but.
1: Yeah, there are random planes driving into the clouds and dropping these things.
0: Yeah, but that's okay. That's really crazy. So, and so they've yeah. been using the same technique since the 40s. Why, uh, why the renewed attention now? Just because weather's getting more extreme or droughts are getting more extreme?
1: Yeah. So recently, the National Science Foundation in the United States funded more research. I think in the effort of coming up with some quantitative results, people have been talking about it for a long time. There are dozens of countries that use it all over the world. And up until now, there hadn't really been much quantitative research into it. And wow. so this research from Wyoming, I think is really interesting because yeah, the paper is just, it's really well written. It's very clear. What I was really impressed, in is, I'm impressed about is that they do a really good job setting their goals. They're Say, like so far, not many people have come up with results, and it's a multi step process to actually determine whether cloud seeding is effective. And that's really hard to do. So, what
0: are their specific
1: goals then? Their specific goal was just to see if cloud seeding could produce ice crystals inside of a cloud.
0: Meaning they're trying to get it to snow?
1: Not necessarily, because it could go from ice crystal and then melt into water on the way down. The goal would be to generate big enough particles inside the cloud that they could actually fall. Because that's one of the things with clouds is you have these small water molecules, but they're so small that their downward velocity is like maybe they're falling less than a foot per second.
0: I see. So maybe if you can get ice crystals, they'll they'll sort of coalesce a lot of the water around it into a bigger piece of ice and fall more easily. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. And they're just proposing to do this by using silver iodide seeding in mountainous regions where it's colder and you might get more ice instead?
1: Uh. Yeah, so... You could um, increase the output. So if you could increase the snowpack by 5 to 20% or something. Or we could th-
0: shred some more pow every winter.
1: Yeah, you know, people get to shred more pow. You hit and the slopes. Hit the slopes. And then it's also good for the water table.
0: Okay. So then it's not like, oh, we're just going to dump giant storms on the flat land east of these mountains whenever we want to. It's more like we're going to dump all the storms in the mountain throughout the winter and then that will turn into rivers and lakes that will feed our farmland later.
1: Yeah, but also to increase, I think, uh, activity at ski resorts and stuff. That's actually a real possible. Wait, is that actually about.
0: their yeah. motivation? Yeah. Dude, they're that's awesome. Definitely. I was joking, top. but.
1: <laughs> no, no, that's a real motivation wow. as well. Good for them. Yeah, I'm already a fan. Yeah. Like I said, there are a couple steps. The main steps into evaluating whether cloud seeding is effective is first to establish what is the actual physical chain of events that occurs when you introduce the seeding material. You can imagine it's hard to study and actually, like, in situ inside of a cloud. Because yeah,
0: and it's a, such a huge area to take data over.
1: Yeah, and, like, cloud formation is so dependent on the environmental conditions at the time.
0: There's not much you can really control for.
1: Yeah, maybe you get rain this time and you say, oh, we cloud seeded and then it rained, but it's like, was it you or was it just yeah. the fact that it was hot or something like that? Yeah. So a second step after that, after determining this physical chain, is to determine the conditions under which these changes occur and how often they might actually exist for a particular region. Hmm. So if you go and seed and you get these changes, like, is that repeatable? And then the third is actually trying to measure the snowfall that results from the seeding. So what is the process that seeding takes? Is it repeatable? What conditions does it take? And then what is that overall effect? That's so
0: cool. Dude, imagine if, like, your experiment or your lab was literally the Rocky Mountains. Oh, I know. Like, your experiment is, like, bigger than you can see with your own eyes. It's it's huge. It'd be nuts. I can't pe- think of any studies, like, where their actual laboratory is on that large of a scale. Yeah, it's Like, huge. you're not going into the ocean and, like, dropping stuff in there to see what happens to the ocean when you do it, you know? I mean, there's lots of people who study large systems, but not people who actually get to change these massive systems.
1: Yeah, and actually have an effect. Well, and so when I was mentioning the study is very pointed and focused they're really only focused on that first step because they realize steps two and three of like understanding the conditions of seeding and the overall effect are really hard so yeah they just wanted to come up with a data set where they could actually observe and say like seeding works by these micro processes okay and so talking about having a cool lab environment the way that they did this was in uh wyoming they got a few different airplanes. And they basically just got to go fly into storms and measure the effects with radar.
0: Wow, that's pretty badass. And so These people must be pretty tough.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think these guys are pretty tough, and they are probably having a lot of fun. Oh, I bet. Like, writing the paper was probably not nearly as fun as actually going and flying into these storms. I know. But I definitely have to recommend going and looking at the paper itself. There's some great infographics that'll make it clear. But essentially what they did was there was a... There's a storm coming in over the mountains, and so they had some ground radar set up. And they had the plane fly perpendicular to the radar track. So you can imagine the radar has a beam coming out of it. And so then they flew these zigzags going back and forth through the cloud. When they were doing that, they would release silver iodide into the cloud so that there would be essentially a trail behind them. Okay. And then they had the radar track and measure the water precipitation.
0: Oh, and they could compare it against that track that they had left?
1: Yeah. Or I guess I shouldn't say precipitation. They were measuring the, the density of the water droplets inside the cloud. Of the cloud, yeah. And what's really cool is, so you imagine if you you have a top view, you're imagining this plane flying zigzags across this mountain range. The radar tracking the water particles came up with these exact zigzags by measuring no way. the precipitation. Like yep.
0: these regions of higher density that follow or, that yeah. same path?
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, and
0: that's so cool. So it's really is there elegant. A picture of this?
1: Yeah. It's really elegant the way that they set it up in the paper because you can see that the experiment and the data very clearly show what their hypothesis was. Like it was very well set up.
0: Wow. So James is showing me this picture right now. It's completely unmistakable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can see. But there's it. no way it's a coincidence. There's a heat map that corresponds. They call it a heat map. It's actually. Like a moisture map. Yeah, like an intensity map showing the the density of the of the water particles. Um, over, it's actually this region in Idaho, but yeah,
0: that's fascinating. So is that the whole experiment that they run for this paper?
1: So they did that, and then they actually had another plane fly through and take measurements after they had done the cloud seeding to analyze the particles themselves and get some more qualitative measurements of like ice development. They talk about rime ice. Okay, so more taking
0: like the first measurement was a radar from a distance taking a measurement, like like the way Doppler works. Yeah. Like when you get your weather report on TV. Now what the second plane does, or the second set of data is like we're going to go into the cloud and get a more precise measurement of what that Doppler was showing us.
1: Yep, yep. So what
0: came of that second plane flying through it? Was there like an interesting result that fell out of that?
1: Yeah, so essentially what they were able to find was that Within 30 minutes of releasing the silver iodide in the cloud, they were able to see these seeding signatures and the concentrations of these ice crystals and the development of essentially like these snowflakes inside of the cloud were two to three orders magnitude greater than the values consistently observed outside the seeding lines.
0: Wow. Two to three orders of magnitude?
1: Yep. Yep. Oh my gosh. So what's cool is from this study, you know, for an area of research that's been going on for almost 70 years, these are really like the first comprehensive observations that give unambiguous evidence that seeding could enhance the natural precipitation.
0: I'm I'm just amazed by that two to three orders of magnitude number because it almost frustrates you when there's a drought, there's no rain falling. I mean, there might be clouds in the air, but there's no rain falling. And when you hear that number, it makes you realize, wow, there's actually so much more moisture in the air than what is actually falling in rain. Like, if I knew yeah. if I knew that, then I'd be pissed off if I was a farmer with this, like, dying field. I'd be looking up at the sky and just knowing there's tons and tons of water that's there that's yeah. just not falling, you know? Exactly. It's, like, it's crazy how much more they're able to get
1: out of it. Yeah, so to tie it back to those North Dakota farmers, they were upset because they thought that this was actually pulling moisture away from their farms.
0: Oh, really? Yeah,
1: which there isn't a lot of evidence to show.
0: Wow. Yeah, I guess something interesting to try to find out in like a future study, which I don't know if it's even possible, is to figure out where that moisture is being drawn from. Like, I wonder, do you think it it's coming from the air around the cloud or do you think that it could even also just be moisture that's within the cloud already kind of coming together Yeah. Like, did the density around those zigzags get lower as the density of the zigzags got higher? I don't know.
1: That's a good question. What's sort of the macro effect of this then? And if you pull that moisture from there, are you stealing moisture that would fall somewhere else?
0: Yeah. And how far could that effect be? Like, would these people in Nebraska actually lose out on moisture if you did it, like, across the state? I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That would be really interesting. So, jumping ship real quick from the plains to the ocean. Oh, okay. I'm only going to touch on this quick because it's a rabbit hole. It's a rabbit hole. All right, but essentially, these this group at the Weizmann Institute found that phytoplankton, when they're infected by this virus, they essentially die, and their shell breaks off and goes airborne. They call these uh, airborne coccoliths. Whoa! And it turns out that these are almost like a natural version of silver iodide in the sense that they're. Really good for holding moisture and seeding clouds. No
0: way. So there's just these full clouds full of like dead phytoplankton skin?
1: Well, you know that sea, like when you're by the sea and you smell like the ocean? Oh, tell me that's not plankton. Well, there's probably plankton in there. Oh, dude. (laughs) I can't decide if that's really cool or really gross. I mean, if you like going to the ocean, you should probably just tell yourself it's really cool because otherwise you'll never want to go back. Uh, I'd like to think it's just salt. Tasty,
0: delicious salt.
1: Yeah, it's just salt, Charlie. <laughs> it's just salt. Wait, that's
0: crazy. So it's it's pulling up all these little like dead phytoplankton and then are those skins like raining back down in the clouds or?
1: Well, so then it's funny they actually said this. The main mechanism for these entering the air is through bubbling. Bubbling? Through waves crashing and bubbles oh, popping on the surface. Oh, I see. So it
0: like fizzes up.
1: Yeah, and so it pops into the air. And then what's amazing is that these the shells of these phytoplankton are so light that they fall. It's something crazy. It's maybe like a centimeter a second.
0: Whoa, that's really slow.
1: They're really small. I mean, they're super small particles like on the order of a micrometer. But so if you have this huge population of phytoplankton and there's this virus that's introduced and they die and these get introduced into the air, you have this growing effect. And these could be a major source for creating clouds over the ocean. So... While this sounds like it's very tangential to the story of cloud seeding in Idaho and these farmers in North Dakota, what I thought was really cool is this research that's totally different studying, you know, this virus that affects plankton and then the resultant particles that end up in the air could have actually a huge effect on all these people or skiers in Utah, for example. Wow.
0: That is like two completely disconnected things you would never think to connect. It makes sense why that paper is in Cell Journal now. Yeah. But and so what I'm wondering is what the connection with the virus is. So is that just saying that they would introduce a virus to the phytoplankton or is this virus something that naturally happens to these phytoplankton?
1: So this virus is something that naturally happens in the phytoplankton. In the case of the article, they introduced it artificially so they could study it versus a control case. So they just got permission to like kill all these phytoplankton in a lab. Oh,
0: in a lab. Okay, I see.
1: And so that was that's one of the things is that's why I only wanted to touch on this briefly is they're still doing a lot of research to see what the actual like ecological effects are on a macro level. But they, it sounds like from what I was reading online, they're actually hopefully heading to Norway sometime soon to study populations of phytoplankton like this and see, see what the without
0: are. introducing the virus themselves, they're going to find populations that already have it. Yeah. OK.
1: I couldn't even speak to what the ecological effects would be of introducing a virus like that.
0: Yeah, well, it I mean, sounds like your mosquito episode of a, a couple of weeks ago where
1: there are a lot of ethical yeah, questions. Yeah, it's a
0: huge ethical question there. It's like are we willing to kill off an entire species of something that's just like not even on our radar as humans? So like that's the huge ethical question. It's like would you kill off an entire
1: yeah, population like that. And it it does sound like this virus does occur naturally and it does happen at times that you get this like a large bloom of these phytoplankton and they'll die off pretty quick. So maybe that has some effects. But it'll be interesting to see that and trying to tie us all together. Diving into these articles, I just thought it was really interesting how much we still need to learn about the generation of clouds. It's a huge effect and clouds, clouds have a major effect on the climate throughout the whole planet. And we still know very little about all the factors that go into their generation.
0: Yeah, it's incredible that we're only starting to unlock that stuff now. But it's also really cool that people have essentially invented a way of controlling the weather in some sense or at least affecting the weather
1: the fact that yeah you know with a couple planes and probably 90 minutes worth of time maybe you'd be able to increase the amount of snow from a storm by like 20 percent, which is nuts
0: yeah and you know even like economic and ecological impacts aside the fact that you could just yeah drop some of this silver iodide out of a plane and like impact millions of people's lives like two hours later yeah you know, like, a bunch of people are going to get rained on. Like, maybe that won't change their lives, but, like, you could actually just cause a storm.
1: Yeah. Well, even when I was doing research for this, uh, there were some articles saying that China, during the Olympics, they did this thing called, like, anti-seeding. So you can... No way. Yeah, to keep it from raining during the Olympics. No days. way. Yeah. That's Isn't that crazy? That's crazy.
0: Man, I makes you wonder if there's, like, an analogous technique for smog or something. Oh. Could you somehow... coalesce all the pollutants in the air to form like big things that would just kind of fall that you could sweep up.
1: That would be interesting. Yeah. I don't know. We should look into it. Yeah.
0: Well, maybe we'll come up with that technique. Make a couple billion off of it.
1: Not a bad idea.
0: Well, that's super fascinating. So how did the news stories here capture this science? Because you mentioned that the stories are kind of about sort of the impacts of this work and sort of these disparate effects that people have been observing on the ground. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if they did their due diligence and did this work justice as far as whether people should really be afraid of this or not.
1: I think they did a good job of pointing out the history of cloud seeding and the research that's been done to show that while it's a good question to ask if it would be damaging to the environment, they've looked at different factors. And so it's nothing to be super scared of from what we know so far. You know, that could always change, of course. Yeah. And like we've been doing it for
0: 70 years, so... If it was damaging the environment, we'd probably know by now.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, hopefully. I think both the articles that I mentioned, like from CNN and Fox News, they were like pretty clickbaity.
0: Yeah, that CNN one had a kind of a silly title, right?
1: Yeah, seeing if the company can actually make it rain. And the one in North Dakota, really the main takeaway it seemed like was just that there wasn't this research. So okay, it was cool to see from those then that the group from Wyoming that published in the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences like took a very good first step in quantifying this and getting the word out and talking about also like what the next steps would be and then the articles i saw talking about the algae i thought they did a good job describing what the experiments are and you know really coming up with this broader perspective of the mechanisms that generate clouds and biology being one of them
0: cool well that that's good that they were able to capture all of that. I mean, there's so many elements to this story. There's like that really human element, like you mentioned with the farmers. And then there's the really scientific element, which is published in Cell Journal. And that, it's a very cool topic. I'm glad that you brought it in.
1: Yeah, it was an interesting read. And I'm really curious to see where the research goes.
0: For sure. So, folks, normally it would be time for our grad student highlight. But unfortunately, we don't have one this week. Every turns out every grad student in America was all booked up we, we called every one of them, and they, they just couldn't contribute this week.
1: Must, be midterms. Must uh, be midterms. It's
0: midterms, yeah. But if you personally want to get the word out about exciting science, help people learn about more niche fields, misinformation in the media, please, please tell a friend about Paperboys. I would love you forever if you just shared the show with one person you know who's kind of into science.
1: It's true, Charlie would. But if you'd like to share your love with us, you can also hit us up at Twitter, with our handle at paperboyspod or Instagram with the same handle. Also, feel free to send us an email at paperboyspod at gmail.com. We love to hear your feedback. And if you have any science questions that you're dying to know, we'd love to get on the paper trail. And don't forget to check
0: out our website where you can find the papers we talked about on this episode, as well as some of the news articles. That's paperboyspodcast.com. All the links will be there.
1: Join us again next week for another exciting edition of Paperboys. Thanks for listening.